0: Welcome back. I'm glad to have you here with me. This is Kentucky History and Haunts. My name is Jesse Bartholomew. Uh, This one was a little tricky to research. There's not a whole lot out there. I used an article from Lou today. I visited the Portland Museum, and then I just browsed newspapers and found an old census or two, and I put it together the best I could. But I love this episode because of the newspaper articles that I did find, which are both hilarious and frustrating (laughs) so i think you'll enjoy it this is the story of the first woman to receive a steamboat captain's license in the united states mary millicent garretson miller hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news She was born Mary Millicent Gerritsen in 1846 in Portland, Kentucky. It was a happening place in the 1840s. The decision to build a town in the area in the early 1800s coincided with the timing when steamboats started using the Mississippi and then the Ohio, so it was perfect timing to build this port town, and it was right past the falls of the Ohio. So these cargo-carrying boats would stop there, transport their loads by land, and then get going again. So it became this pit stop for boats. So Portland's wharf filled up with warehouses, shipyards, and taverns. Now I think when some people think about Louisville's history, they think of German and Irish immigrants a lot of the time. And um, I get to say this because my ancestors are those German and Irish immigrants they were the ones causing all the drama okay so um they're more recent uh immigrants the older ones the ones that were there first were from france right after the french revolution and the napoleonic wars of course louisville's named for louis the 16th but the french were really the first immigrants to settle the area I'll do a story on the history of Portland some other time, and I'll talk more about early settlements in Louisville in a later episode, but I just wanted you to know a little bit about the place where Captain Mary was from. Her father was Andrew J. Garretson. He was a molder and an engineer. I'm pretty sure her mom's name was Luanna, but I, I couldn't find any information about her. But I do know that, uh, like I said, when Mary's dad, Andrew, was younger, he worked as a molder. Um, That's how he's listed in an 1872, 74, and 75 directory. I think he was molding boat parts, and then he became a steamboat engineer. And so Mary just grew up around boats. And then she met a man named George A. Miller, and he was a steamboat builder just like her dad. And he was also listed as a steamboat pilot in the 1880 census. Mary and George got married on August 3rd, 1865. Mary was 19. George was 49. Uh, George was born the same year as Mary's dad. So they get married and they moved into a home that he had just built at 3816 Bank Street. George was a widow. So Mary was now living with George's three children from a previous marriage, and then they had four children together. And here's where things get a little mucky again in the research. So on the Ancestry website, I saw the children listed as Luanna, George, Emily, and Norman. But the Portland Museum's website says the girls' names were Lucille and Emma. And then Wikipedia says Lula Ann, Georgia, Emily, and Norman. But here's the deal. I found an 1880 census that lists 64-year-old George as pilot on boat, and then it has 32-year-old Mary with her job listed as keeping house. And then it's got one son listed as Anderson, but he's older, so he'd be from a previous marriage. And then it has Lulie, so I think that's Luanna, Mary's firstborn child. And then there's George Jr., Emily, and Norman. I'm pretty sure those are the four. Anyway, they were living in Portland with all these children, and in the summer months, they would stay in Portland, and George would help build these boats on Shippingport Island. And and I do want to stop and tell you a little bit about Shippingport Island. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Shippingport Island on a map. It's across from the falls of the Ohio on the Louisville side, and it's this long, skinny peninsula, and it stretches from about 13th Street to 27th Street. It was incorporated in 1785, so it's, it's old, and it was mostly commercial. It had a place for horse racing. It had a distillery, taverns, gardens, and some pretty nice houses. Uh, Jim Porter lived on Shippingport Island. The digging of the Louisville and Portland Canal in 1825 turned it into an island, and it flooded all the time. The 1937 flood wiped out a lot of the buildings and and what was going on. And so um, I think the city evicted, or maybe the federal government evicted, the last people that were kind of holding out and trying to... um, keep businesses or their houses on the island Um, they got evicted i think in the late 50s and so i just bring this up because i think it's crazy to think about the fact that stuff was ever built on this place because if you look at it now it's just this abandoned overgrown stretch of land Um, anyway that's where george was building boats and then when the season started to change the family would head south to new orleans with all the kids and they would live on a boat, usually the saline, and they'd cruise on down south and transport freight and sometimes people too. George would captain the boats and Mary would act as the bookkeeper and the clerk. And then one of George's sons from a previous marriage was the engineer, pretty sure that was Anderson. But then things got a little complicated. Their business was really good. They were doing very well. In 1883, a competing steamboat company, the Banks Line, tried to put the Millers out of business. They reported the Millers to the SIS, the Steamboat Inspection Service, saying that George Miller was acting both as the pilot and the captain or master of the saline. And that was a criminal offense. You You weren't supposed to take on both of those roles. It was supposed to be two different people. So George responded by saying well, okay, my wife has been acting as the master. And people kind of freaked out. Uh, A woman has been acting as a master of a steamboat? Now, I don't know if they actually got in any trouble or got a warning or what, but he said, yeah, my wife is in the process of applying for her master's license right now. You see, George couldn't renew his because he was colorblind. Other people had already been complaining that Mary was doing too much as it was. A woman wasn't supposed to be doing the trading on the boats. I mean, she was doing these men's jobs. So the point is, a lot of people were watching the Millers and not liking what they saw, which was basically Mary taking on a lot of responsibility, running the operations on the saline. But he was telling the truth She was applying for her master's license. I think she did that in January of 1883. And after studying for months, she passed the exam with no problem. But just because she passed the test didn't mean they were just going to give a woman a steamboat master's license. Like I mentioned, I did find some newspaper articles about Mary applying for her license, and so I do want to read a couple because I think it helps give context to um, the way people felt about this at the time and how the media received her and how they represented her, if that makes sense. So this first one was reprinted in the Courier Journal. It was originally from a New Orleans newspaper. In 1883, and the headline read A Woman Asks a Captain's License. Quote A novel case came up before the U.S. local inspectors of steam vessels on Saturday, and doubtless the first of the kind that has ever been presented in the United States. It was that of a woman making application for a license as master of a steamboat. Those conversant with the duties of a master on a small steamboat on our tributaries where a pilot is carried will not be struck with the idea that there's anything very unreasonable in the request of an intelligent woman of experience applying for a master's license. As the duty, when everything goes smooth, consists chiefly in ringing the bell and taking toddies with the planters along the route, besides looking wise and trying to talk so on all questions of reference. A brief history of Mrs. Captain Mary Miller will explain to our readers the cause of her making application for license. She is the wife of Captain and Pilot George Miller, who has been familiarly known as Natural Miller in consequence of his natural ability to pilot on our rivers for 30 years. Mrs. Miller is his second wife and is about 40 years of age, while the old skipper is hard on to 80. For several years, they've been steamboating on the Washita trade and have been considerable of a thorn in the side of the Banks line. They came from Kentucky originally, and during the years spent in the waters of our state, Mrs. Miller has been acting in the capacity of an officer or deckhand when occasion required her. Often, when she thought her husband tired out, she has been heard to say, Papa. You go in the cabin and take care of the children and I will land the boat for you. The boat of course having a pilot at the wheel, but the captain, like a cigar Indian, must stand out front and look the situation. Two years ago, Captain Miller and son, with the aid of Mrs. Captain Miller, built the steamer saline in Kentucky, doing a large amount of the work themselves, Captain Miller designing and superintending the whole job. This boat is now their home. The old man is well along in years, and his faithful spouse desires to relieve him of as much care as possible. So they came to the city for the purpose above named. Part of this article I was reading gets chopped off, and i it's like a part of it was missing. Um, but where it picked back up... it. Went on to talk about how she was a schoolmistress earlier in life, and that made her a good candidate for taking on the master's responsibilities. I couldn't find anywhere else uh, something that said she was a teacher or anything, but um, I guess maybe she was at one point. Um, But it ended by saying, quote, The local inspectors, having no reason to refuse the applicant a license, only that the person applying for it was a woman, referred the matter to the supervising inspector, who in turn referred it to the secretary of the treasury, who we have no doubt will decide in favor of the woman. So basically, Inspector George Norton of the New Orleans inspector of Hull's office wasn't sure if he could stomach giving a woman the license. And he mulled over it for eight months. And even after that, he really didn't want to give her a license. So he sent the application to D.C., to the Secretary of Treasury, Charles Folger. And at first, Secretary Folger wanted to know, well, is her husband still alive? Because I can't imagine why she would need one if she has a husband. Um, But I guess in the end, he decided it would be okay. Um... He said, quote, Mrs. Miller should be granted her license if she were fit for performing duties required without regard to her sex. So basically, as long as she could pass the test and and we think she's up for it like a man would be, go ahead. And so that is when Mary Miller became the first woman in the United States to obtain a steamboat master's license. Folger did note with his decision that the license, quote, may socially degrade any woman to which it was issued. <laughs> so it was official on February 16, 1884. Mary was in her late 30s. Her husband was in his late 60s. I don't know where they got that he was in his 80s in that article. I think it was a little embellishment for the sake of the story. Um, but Mary quickly became a well-known figure in her industry. I mean, she already was. Um, but her picture was in the papers. She was well-liked and well-respected by a lot of people. Uh, Quote, her voice is strong and clear, and her manner is that of one accustomed to command. But not everyone could accept the fact that this woman was in this position. It's funny, every article I found wrote about her in a pretty positive light except for this one from the Chicago News, which was reprinted in the Courier-Journal in 1884. Quote, Captain Mary Miller, the Mississippi River steamboat woman, after several months' practice, is still hopelessly deficient in the art of managing a riverboat. It is said she cannot get the knack of ripping out those beautiful, flowing polysyllabic oaths that have so inspiriting an influence over deckhands and roustabouts. And as for knocking a cook overboard once or twice a day, she says she fears she'll never learn that essential steamboat method of gaining respect. The other day, she was trying to make the bend below St. Francis Flats and stood on the hurricane roof to give orders to the new pilot. Now, sir, she said, "'Will you be so kind as to turn your wheel to the right hand very rapidly?' The pilot stood with open mouth, looking down the river. "'Mr. Pilot,' she said, striving to draw his attention. "'Please, Mr. Pilot, do you hear me?' "Eh?" grunted the man at the wheel. "'Will you do me the favor to turn your wheel over seven or eight times as fast as you can?' Over went the wheel. "'Oh, no, sir. No, sir. Not that way, the other way.' If you please, sir, quick, my dear sir, quick. Gracious my, we are within twenty fingers of the bar. Just then, the first mate came up through the forward hatchway, and the poor little woman, half distracted, said, Oh dear, Mr. Mate, I'm feeling faint. I think you better take command of the ship. Aye, aye, old gal. And turning to the pilot, he sung out, Hey there, you censored-out, sleepy-headed son-of-a-gun. Hard a port there, or I'll knock a hole in your censored-out carcass bigger in a bale of hay." The boat slid out into deep water, and Captain Mary Miller went up into her Texas stateroom, where nobody could hear her study her lesson in river conversation. As the boat glided up to the New Orleans wharf, she popped her head out of the stateroom door and called out to a lineman on the shore, "'Hi, sir! Make fast the bow line! And the one at the other end, too, by darn!' and dodged back to her head under the pillow, and cried. So yeah, I think there were plenty of embellishments in that article. Um, Knocking Cooks overboard and saying that she feels faint and and not knowing what the opposite of bow is, um, I'm just not buying it. So... (laughs) I just included that because I thought it was kind of ridiculous. But Mary must have really liked being a steamboat master because she kept renewing her license. And so there's an article about her in the Courier-Journal a few years later. It says, quote, Yesterday, Mrs. Mary Miller applied at the office of Steamboat Inspector Erwin Dugan in the Custom House to have her license as a steamboat captain renewed. The request, of course, was promptly granted. It goes on to say, quote, Mrs. Miller is a plump, lively little woman of about 35, just about half the age of her husband. The latter usually serves on her boat in a subordinate capacity. Mrs. Miller assumes the full duties of captain and discharges them just as well as any man could do. She usually owns her boat, but at the present time she's without one. She and her husband are making preparations, however, to purchase another, the renewal of the license, having been procured for that purpose. And it ends by saying, quote, She takes freight as well as passengers, and when competition is brisk, can hold her own with any rival captain. And then there's another article about her renewing her license, and the headline says, Young and good looking, but perfectly able to manage a boat and crew. <laughs> and it read in part, quote, Captain Mary is interesting for other things than her professional ability, as she is young and good-looking and shrewd at driving a bargain and as stern in the discharge of her duty as she is fascinating. It also said, quote, She is well known to steamboat men through having commanded the steamer New Orleans in the Lower River trade, where she was very successful. She has reformed many steamboat mates, her presence being sufficient to stop the flow of cuss words, which these gentlemen in the past found necessary to control their crews, and is now one of the most popular masters on the river. So there you have it. Their business grew, and George built another boat for them in Portland, the Swan. But... The L&N Railroad showed up in the late 1850s, 1860s, and it just kept expanding. And with its expansion came the decline of the steamboat industry. It was way faster to move by rail. So Mary and George sold the saline, and I think they kept the swan. And there's also an article about her selling the saline. Quote, Mrs. Captain Mary Miller has sold her steamer saline at New Orleans to the Washita River Consolidated Line. She will return to her home in this city. A writer in New Orleans says, Mrs. Captain Mary Miller has made many friends in Bayou Megan and Tensas who will regret her departure from the trade. She is a nice little lady in any vocation of life, and long may she live and prosper. Mary had this dream to go live in a lighthouse where she'd be near the water and would never have to garden again. Apparently she really didn't like gardening. Um, and they decided to make this a reality. In 1891, they packed up the kids and they took off downriver aboard the Swan, headed for Pascagoula, Mississippi. And she they had every intention of her being a lighthouse keeper and living in a lighthouse. But At some point during the voyage, Mary got sick. It's believed she had hay fever, but we don't know that with 100% certainty from what I've read. But she got very sick, and whatever it was, she never recovered. She was sick for the next couple of years, her lower body became paralyzed, and she died in Portland on October 30th, 1894. So Mary died before her husband that was over three decades older than she was. I don't think many people saw that coming. She only lived to be 48 years old. I'm pretty sure George ended up dying the same year. Uh, That would make him 78. And I believe they were living at 3900 Bank Street when they died. Mary Miller is buried at Portland Cemetery, which is sandwiched between Northwestern Parkway and Bank Street. Her gravestone is cool. I'm gonna post a picture of it on social media and the website. It says First Lady Steamboat Captain on the back and has an etching of a steamboat, I love it. There's also a historical marker for her at the cemetery. Mary was inducted into the American Merchant Marine Hall of Fame in New York in 1993. She was recognized by the National Rivers Hall of Fame in 1995. And there is a permanent exhibit about her at the Portland Museum, which I visited yesterday. It's very cool. And right now it's open Wednesday through Friday, 12 to 5, and Saturday, 12 to 4, if you want to go visit. In 2017, the state of Kentucky changed the name of one of their steamboats from the Georgia Queen to the Mary Miller. Uh, That boat was built in Utica in 1985. It's diesel-powered. It has climate-controlled decks. So it gives tours year-round, and it can hold 450 people. So if you ever go to book a tour on one of the Louisville steamboats and you really want the Belle of Louisville, now you know that the Mary Miller is just as cool and is based on someone very cool. And they do a harbor history tour in the summertime on the Mary Miller, so I think that's definitely worth checking out. And that starts back up in April of next year. Thank you all for listening to another episode. If you want to leave me a tip for the work I do on this show, there is a link in the show notes that will take you to my website. If you scroll down to the bottom, there's a place where it says you can leave me a tip. It's very easy. Um, other than that, I don't really have any news. If you guys have any suggestions for topics, send those to me, kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. I know I've got a bunch that you all have sent me that are still in the works. I've started like five different ones and just need to get them finished. So, uh, stay tuned. Lots of good stuff coming soon. Stay warm, bundle up, and until next time.